boy, it's, it's uncanny that the lineup, Brian, of the songs that you've selected today with what's been on my heart and what the word is, it's not coincidental, obviously, because God knows what he's doing, and God just, he, he's bringing our minds together and our hearts together, and just so many of these songs are just about, at least the ones that I remember, <laughs> they're about just claiming victory in, in what might be difficult circumstances, right? You know, just in, that's, that's been on my heart and mind a lot about just, you know, the, the reality that weighs upon God's people as we endeavor to be faithful. Um, and I'm thinking a lot about spiritual stamina. A couple years ago, Meg and I, um, we had a chance to go to, to Shenandoah National Park on a camping trip with some friends. And they wanted us to bring our family, our kids, and camp out in a tent in the woods. And our marriage almost didn't survive it. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was not good. Um, it was leaky and raining, and our tent filled up with water, and the kids, of course, Lottie was you know, younger, so she didn't want to sleep on a, on a blow-up mattress, so she was awake until like 3 in the morning. And Anyway, but we were trying to make the best of it, and what, it was like one day our friends said, we need to go for a hike. This is, this is, let's, the Appalachian Trail is going right through here. Let's go hike part of the AT, right? And I've, I was kind of adventurous in my youth, and I thought, how cool would that be to say, yeah, I've hiked part of the AT, I've hiked part of the Appalachian Trail. Are you guys with me? You guys there? All right, I can't see you, so I'm, I'm kind of gauging this on feedback, on audio, right? So it's like I'm a bat, and all I can do is echolocation. So if you guys aren't saying anything, you guys may have all left. I don't know. So we, anyway, we're going hiking, and there's this one trail that's like, it's supposed to be, I don't know, like a mile or three-quarters of a mile or half a mile, and I'm thinking it's... It's, that's what, in my mind, it was supposed to be short. You know, it was going to be like a 30-minute hike down with our kids, 30-minute hike back. We get on this trail. Turns out, no, it's not. It's like a four-mile hike. But there's supposed to be this amazing waterfall at the end of it. And we go down, and we hike down. It's, all, it's mostly downhill. So I'm like thinking, this is great. You know, I like this. This is easy. You know, and our kids are walking with this. And we do. We get to the waterfall, and it's beautiful. It's just incredible cascades. And we have our picnic lunch, we eat the lunch there at the waterfall, and, you know, okay, well, it's, it's time to pack up, time to head back, and, you know, so we're kind of, and the thing about walking a trail downhill one way is you got to walk uphill the other way, you know, and by now, our kids are tired, right? They've been kind of playing in the waterfall, they had food in their stomach, so they're sleepy, it's nap time for them, and about 150 yards back up the trail towards the park, the trailhead, the kids are just trying to kind of whine and drag slowly, you know, and I'm like, okay, come on. And, and so we kind of, you know, prod them along, we begin to take turns, kind of carrying them a little bit and put them down, and I can tell you, I'm, I'm not a real fit guy. And, like, the idea of hiking is more fun in theory than in practice. Especially four miles uphill, carrying a 40-pound toddler on your back, you know, and then about another, you know, about another half hour into our trek backwards, there begins to be these clouds that are rolling in, you know, thunderclouds coming in. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I kid you not, the last half hour was sheer, sheer force of will. 
and I cannot overstate this, I really wondered if I was going to die on that trail. <laughs> I really thought, I can just lay down here and die. I have life insurance, Meg will be okay, the kids will be okay. I do not think that I can get from here back however many miles it is to the trailhead alive. It was just taxing me emotionally because the kids were whining. You know, it was taxing me just physically because this is brutal. 40-pound pack on, and I'm like out of shape, and I'm trying to go uphill, and I'm just like one step after the another. I hate these friends. Why did we agree to come? <laughs> that kind of thing, right? And I just remember we finally, finally got to, and of course, our friends had already gone on. They're like, we're not waiting for you guys. And Meg and I are just like, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We made it to the top, and I just, I, I was kissing the ground. I was just giving smooches to the concrete driveway, wherever our car was, and we, of course, it was, started raining as soon as we got in the car, right, Meg? Started, as soon as we got in the car, it started raining. And we drove back to our tent, which was promptly flooded, so. All the, <laughs> you ever felt that way, though? You ever felt like, this road that I'm on right now, I am not gonna make this. I am not gonna survive this. I cannot, I cannot finish the task that I've just committed to. I can't keep on going on. And again, I talked about the, the music and the thing, and this morning, you know, when we were going into prayer and asking about the mountains and just the swirl of stuff happening in my mind, it's the Lord is saying, you know, Brad, and I was praying about it last night, though I just felt the Lord saying, this is where your church is. Your church is halfway up this mountain. Your people, many of your people, have 40-pound weights on their back, and they're wondering, am I ever going to get to the top? And that's, that's why I kind of wanted, wanted to name these things out. I wanted to name these mountains out. You know? And it's maybe why the Lord brought me here to 2 Timothy chapter 2, looking at this idea of stamina, of endurance, of pushing in. You know? And it's, 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 I need to, I need to, I need to, to internalize what, what the Apostle Paul is going to be writing to this young pastor named Timothy because I feel like I'm in the same boat, and I feel like some of you might be in the same boat. So we're going to jump into 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy, in, in many, sort of, if you can imagine it, it's much like Paul's last will and testament. Paul is in prison right now. He's in prison for the faith. He's been in many times. This is the last time he's in prison. As far as history tells us, he doesn't get out. So he's, he's getting older, and he knows, look, this is my last chance, and he's, he's not expecting to be released. He's, and he's writing furiously to encourage his sort of his mentee, the one that he has been investing in, this young sort of, uh, you know, this young pastor named Timothy who has been caring for the churches that Paul helped plant. He's writing these letters to him to encourage him in the faith, to give him this last kind of instructions, Right? And it's great to read this. It's, it's good because this is where we are, you know. We're a young church. We are seeking to do a new work. We're seeking to, to just build God's kingdom, you know. And I, I think it does us well just to read through and say, Holy Spirit, what do we need to know about perseverance? What do we need to know about endurance? What do we know about finishing well? And I'm hoping that you'll take this and maybe you can at least a little bit, apply it to whatever your mountain is, whatever situation you are. And I'm hoping at the end of it, you get a little bit of encouragement to say, hey, you know what? We can do this together. So let's jump in. I want to read this text to you and then just break out a couple things to look at. Can we do that? And then we're going to, we're going to feast together. So let's read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. 
it says this, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's the heartbeat, and I want to pause there. I know I don't, I don't read very well. I have to stop and comment on it. That's the, heart, that's the heartbeat of the Christian life right there. That's the source of stamina, by the way, is grace. Grace in Christ Jesus. Grace is that unmerited favor. It's that love. It's the overflow. It's like that cool breeze that comes through our, our hearts and souls and minds. All of this comes from grace. All of it is, that's, that's the root of all of it. You know, anything in the Christian life, anything that we do is because of grace. Grace is the one that, that draws us to the person of Jesus. In the, even when we were lost, even when we were sinners, grace is the one who prompts our hearts to begin to hunger after righteousness. You know, even when we say yes to Jesus, that's saving grace. It's grace that saves us. Even when we're, after we're a believer, now, Lord, purify my heart, consecrate my heart. That's, that's sanctifying grace that comes in. Even when we pray for healing, there's a healing, there's the grace for healing that's there. Even when we're sick and suffering, there's a grace for healing and suffering. Even in death itself, there's a grace there to die well and to finish well. Every part of this, every part of the Christian life is fueled by grace. So he says that. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Y'all listen to that. Be strong in the grace. He says, verse 2, and the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to, re- to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And that's his mission. That's what he said. Look, that's your mission. Your mission is not just to, to, to you know, read some of this and ignore it. You, you need to pass it on. You need to, to make disciples of other people. Um, I don't know if you've heard the name Dawson Trotman. He's one of the founders of the Navigators. He says, activity is no substitute for production. And production is no substitute for reproduction. In other words, you can really be busy, but if you're really not reproducing other disciples, then you're really not doing all that God's, God wants you to do. So he says, whatever, whatever you've heard me say, entrust, pass on to reliable people who will be qualified to teach. And that's what I want to do. That's why I'm up here now. The things that God has given me, I want to pass on to you. I want to entrust to you so that you can go and you can do the same thing. Verse 3, join with me in suffering. And he's going to give three, he's going to give three snapshots here of inspiration. He's going to give three unique pictures. So the idea is one of them is going to connect with where you are. I think that's why he's writing to Timothy. He's like, all right, Timothy, I'm about to give you three different snapshots that will help inspire you. Maybe one of them will connect with where you are. So he says this, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Verse 5, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Verse 6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Hey, let me pray for us, and we're going to look at these three. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Lord, we're going to position ourselves. We're going to stop, Lord. We're on the trail right now. And we're tired, and our muscles are burning with this spiritual lactic acid. (laughs) And we're feeling a little demoralized. Some of us are, maybe. (laughs) Some of us are feeling like, okay, I just got to keep on. Lord, we're going to stop for a moment, and we want to hear from you, Holy Spirit, in your word. We want to be encouraged by you. So, Lord, our hearts are open, our minds are open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, three snapshots. The first is this. The first is the soldier, the soldier with this sort of singular dedication. 
He says, join me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs but tries to please his commanding officer. Paul is in chains. Paul's in a prison. Undoubtedly, on on an everyday basis, he is encountering people of military personnel. So this imagery is fresh in his own mind, right? In our our barn in the back at our house, um, there's some belongings that belong to, to Meg's grandfather. There's a box there. And if you were to open up that cardboard box, it's taped over. If you were to open up that cardboard box, inside is another old cardboard box that's about 60 years old or so. And it kind of has like this name on it that says Captain Jack Boyer. And inside are the belongings of Meg's grandfather, Captain Jack Boyer, who was a prisoner of war. Um, He was captured in the Bataan Death March, and he was in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. And these were his sort of belongings all during that time in this box. And I got to think about, you know, when I'm reading this, I'm thinking about what does that mean to like, you know, to endure hardship as a soldier of Jesus Christ. I thought about Bapa, as he's called. I think about Bapa, about Captain Boyer there in prisoner camp. Day after day, enduring hardship. Day after day, enduring suffering. Day after day, knowing this is the cost of being a soldier. And even then, the stories we would come back later on about how, of course, he's a captain. He's, he's an officer. And even, even, in, even, in, even in prison camps, there is still an order. There is still discipline. There is still a chain of command. It's astonishing to see that. Even in the most crushing oppressive situation, the soldier still knows this is what I'm called to do and who I'm called to be. It's a beautiful thing. And Paul says, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Um, and by the way, here's, here's what I think, um, here's what I think makes that easier. We, we studied a few weeks ago um, from the book of Peter, maybe, I don't know how long it's been, maybe a month or so, and just talking, looking at you know, the power to suffer. One of the things that the Holy Spirit enables us to do is it enables us to suffer well. And what helps that, what makes that possible, and I think what makes this, you know, enduring suffering is doing it together. And that's why I wanted us to come up and to share this with everyone else. Because there's about our, something about speaking it out loud allows us to share the burden with you. If you keep it to yourself, whatever the burden is, whatever the difficulty is, you're carrying that burden alone. It's infinitely more difficult. Whereas if you allow us to, to share in that, it lifts the load some. And he says, verse 3, join with me in suffering. So he's suffering already. He says, y'all come join with me in suffering. There's a missionary named, a 19th century Baptist missionary to Burma. Adoniram Judson was his name. Anybody heard of Adoniram Judson? Great, incredible biography. He spent 40 years in Burma ministering to the people there. He says this. He says, if we succeed, this is good, by the way. If we succeed without suffering, it's because many others have suffered before us. If we suffer without success, it's so that others may succeed after us. Well, I tell you what, I think he's straight on. I think he's dead right. 
Verse 4, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. I read this and I'm thinking, this is my biggest, this is the biggest threat to me right now, is getting too busy, getting entangled in the things of life, getting entangled in all the affairs of life. That's the biggest threat, I think, to ministry. You know, outside of, outside of moral failure and sin is just, we dilute all of the work of God with all of this other stuff in life. You know, we were, I don't know who was talking to Megan or somebody else about it, just how, how busy our culture is and how we have so many options and so many things to do. We can drive everywhere and fly everywhere and read everything and it's all on our phone and we can watch stuff and do this and do that and do this. And it becomes too complicated and we become too entangled. And that's one of the things that Paul says is, look, don't, don't allow your life to get entangled. Focus on your mission. What are you called to do? Who are you called to be? Tries to please his commanding officer. So there's this image of the soldier, and I resonate with that one. But look at this one, the self-discipline of the athlete. Verse 5, he says, Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You know what? There, this, is, this is such a shock to me, but there are athlete, like professional athletes that don't really even play. Did you guys know this? Like if you were to watch an NFL, like I like NFL. If you were to watch an NFL team, you know, and you've got how many guys out there on the field? 11 or something like that. You know, you got 11 guys. There's like another 40 guys that are officially on the team. I don't know how many. There's like a bunch of guys that are on the team that you never see play. They never get a shot. They're, they don't like, they don't even suit up. You know, maybe they suit up. I don't know. But like it's possible to be a professional athlete and never really play a game. I was like, that's the job I want. I want to get paid a million bucks for being like the sixth string kicker. How hard can that be? And then they're never going to get to me. If you get five kickers injured before you get to me, we got a lot of problems going on, you know? But then, and so it's like, you know what? I did have an, I did have an athletic career. I was on the baseball team in, in high school for one or two years. And you know how, like, if you see the stats of baseball, you know, it'll have, like, the name. It'll have, like, these initials, meaning their position. You know, like, FB is what? First base. If you have C, that's what? Catcher. If you have DH, what is that? Designated hitter. If you have PB, what is that? Pine bench. That was me. That was my position. I was the bench warmer. I played one game, and it was a disaster. And I'll tell you about it at another time. <laughs> but in Paul's day, there were no bench warmers. There were none of this stuff, you know? Like, he, you can go and study about this thing called the Isthmian Games. It's like almost like the Olympics, but not quite as big. And in the Isthmian Games, it was a big deal. Like, you had to train 10 months before the games. You know, there are rules. You had to be a citizen. You had to be a male. All these other things you had to do. You had to train for 10 months prior. There were rules you had to follow if you are going to compete in the games. And even now, in, in the Olympics, there are certain rules, and it's very stringent. You know, you have, to, you have to do certain things. You have to pass these certain tests, and you've got to qualify and qualify again and do all this other kind of stuff. And Paul is saying, look, if you want to compete as an athlete, you've got, if you want to win, if you want to have that crown, that laurel crown on your head, you can't just show up. You know, like if you're running a marathon, I can't like sneak in from, you know, like the dark alleyway in the last quarter of a mile when no one's looking and cross the line. 
I can't do that. I've got to follow the rules. I've got to train. I've got to qualify. I've got to start. I've got to you know, go through. I can't you know, take performance-enhancing drugs or all those things. So there are rules. There, Paul says there are rules that have to be followed. I think about this. What are the rules for our faith? What are the, what are, what are the, what are the guidelines for those of us who are running this race? You know, we've got some of the biggies, all the thou shalt nots, you know, all the law, the Ten Commandments, those are, those are definitely the rules of our faith. But I think there's also some other rules that pertain to our training. You know, like being part of the body, coming and fellowshipping together, studying your word faithfully, developing a prayer life, leading your family in, 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 in the habits of discipleship. Those are all part of the rules of our faith. They're not commandments that like we have to either do it or don't. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about the things that God says, if you want to run this race well, if you want to be trained to be effective, here are the things that you need to do. And Paul says, you know, um, anyone who runs to receive the crown, you don't receive it unless you're, unless you're competing according to the rules. And in 1 Corinthians 9, pull this up here too, by the way, he says this, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it, says Paul. Paul would be a good coach. You know, Paul says, look, we don't want to finish second. You don't want to finish third. You don't get a trophy just for showing up. You get a trophy for completing the race. And Paul says, run in a way that you intend to finish it. 1 Timothy 4, he's writing in, in the previous book he writes to Timothy. He, he writes to young Timothy and he says, exercise yourself towards godliness. Train yourself towards godliness. And he talks about how, look, he goes on to say physical fitness is good, but spiritual fitness is better. Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. So there's this self-discipline. The athlete is self-disciplined. He's pushing in. He's pressing in. He knows this is what I'm called to do. I need to finish this race well. And here's the third third, um, snapshot he gives, and it's a farmer. The steadfast, diligent farmer. says, verse 6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. You know, yesterday we had a work day up here, and there was a lot of there was a lot of landscaping to do. And I, to, you know, I wasn't the main one out there. You know, there was some other folks that spent the bulk of the morning out there mowing and weed eating and pulling. And I remember looking at the flower bed, and like, it wasn't long ago where the flower bed was out right out here was you could see nice mulch and no weeds. You know, and the flowers in there are right places. And I went out there like earlier this week to get ready for this work day. I'm like, this looks terrible. There's, there's things sort of sprouting up from this tree. And, you know, there's the wheat and the weeds have like all but covered the mulch at all. And like this, this is a lot to do, you know. And you can't neglect things. You can't neglect what you have sowed into. Part of the reason that Meg and I don't have a garden this year is because honestly, sometimes we're so neglectful, we're so busy with our life, we don't have time to go out and to, 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 to 
deadhead flowers or pull weeds or what do you call like on the, the suckers on the tomato plants? You got to like snap that middle thing off, you know? We haven't, we don't, we, sometimes we don't have time to do that. But there's never a day off. If you really are a bona fide farmer, you don't have days off. You don't get a week off, especially during planting time or harvesting time. It can be monotonous. You can be tired. There can be a drought. There can be floods, but you don't get a day off. And Paul knows that this is tedious work, you know. He says in 1 Corinthians 3, sort of the spiritual parallel of being a farmer. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Paul knows what it's like to faithfully sow season after season after season. But he says this, Paul, Paul writes to Timothy, says, the hardworking farmer, you, Timothy, you're the hardworking farmer. You should be the first to receive a share in your crops. Don't give up. Don't quit. You've sowed, you've planted, you've watered, you've cultivated, you've done all these things. Don't quit now. Because stick it out and you're going to receive the blessing of your harvest. I feel like that's what the Spirit of God is saying to me sometimes too. You know, not about you guys, but just in life in general. All the things that I've been trying to sow into and plant and to, and to cultivate, God says, don't give up. What does Heidi Baker say? If you don't give up, you win, right? That's what we tell us. Megan and I tell each other, if you don't give up, you win. If you don't quit now, you're going to win. You're going to harvest. You're going to reap something. Stick to it. And verse 7 says, reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Anybody need, anybody need just like a little bit more spiritual stamina this morning? I do. I need it. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I do. I've been tired like the last three or four weeks, you know, the heat of summer and the travel and the busyness and all the stuff going on. We've got a lot of stuff going on here at the church, a lot of things to deal with. I know many of you do. I need it. I need some... I just need the Spirit of God to say, easily you can do this. King's Church, you can do this. You can finish well. And I'm not, there's not a finish line in sight like Paul was talking about. By the way, this is Paul's finish line. He knows that his finish line is the big capital F finish line in life. Because <laughs> he goes on to say this um, in a couple chapters later. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. What's he talking about? He's talking about his own death. He knows. He knows this is the end for him. He knows that he's not getting out of this. He knows. But look at what he says, verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight. Who fights fights? Soldiers do, right? Paul says, I have done it. I have done my best as a soldier to obey my commanding officer and to serve him well even though I'm in chains, even though I'm in prison, even though I'm being stoned or, or, or flogged or arrested or harassed or cursed or shipwrecked, whatever it is, I have fought the good fight. I've done it. He says this, I've finished the race. Who finishes races? Athletes do. I've done it, says Paul. Paul says, I may have stumbled, right? I may not have had the best time, you know, my name may not be splashed up on the big marquee like they have at the end of those marathons, but I crossed the line with integrity, says Paul. I have kept the faith. 
like a good farmer. I've sowed, I've waited, and I've harvested. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So maybe, maybe one of these connects with you. <laughs> maybe, unlike Paul, I'm just going to throw it out there, you know, farmers and athletes and soldiers, one of them is bound to connect with where we are, but the point is the same. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. And let's do it together. Let's do it together. You guys press into one another. Share your burdens with one another. Share your frustrations with one another. Whatever is going on in your life, find a listening ear. I'll be a listening ear. Meg will be. Find somebody else. Do it together because it... I tell you what, quarter three, you're meant to be in community together. We can do this. We're praying for you. Meg and I and the other pastors, we pray for you weekly. We pray for you all the time. Weekly as in when we come together for our staff meeting. We lift you up to the Lord. We ask for God's favor for you. We ask for God's provision for you. And if we could snap our fingers and make some of these situations go away for you, we would. <laughs> It's not, that, it's not possible. But God's faithful. He who began a good work in you. Did God start something good in your life? Did God free you from some things? Did God deliver you out of darkness into his glorious light? Did God give you hope and joy? Did God call you by a new name? He who began a good work in you. He who started it is going to bring it to completion. He's going to do it. Stick with it. Brian, come on up. Let's pray together. We're going to move into ministry time here. Let me read these words of knowledge again. Um, and we'll have some prayer team come on up. This is what we do during ministry time. We'll just have a few more minutes of, of worship here, and we'll have some prayer counselors that will pray with you about any specific things on this side. Um, if you want just to have some time with the Lord up at the front and you don't want anyone to pray with you, you can come over to this side over here. That's fine. Um, If you've got any, just any other questions or anything on your heart and mind you want to just ask us about, we'll be glad and, and do that as well. Real quick, these words, y'all stand on, stand up with me. Ryan, go ahead and we're going we're gonna to play. I'm healing someone with a dislocated hip and a disc, L3 possibly. Another word is TMJ. Um, eyes that don't focus together and may slightly point in different directions. First, uh, number four, I see someone with pain when they straighten out their left hand, the fingers of their left hand. Tooth pain on the top front left side, possibly. Maybe you have tooth pain at all, and you're like, okay, I do have tooth pain, but it's not on that side. It's okay, close enough, right? Come on up. So they, we, don't, they don't have to, we don't have to like nail it 100% because we are imperfect when we hear these. So if you hear something that's close, we'll take it. Ask God for it. Claim that word for yourself because we may not hear 100% because we don't sometimes hear 100% correctly. It's okay. Um, there's someone here who has a gift of prophecy. I want to cause them to speak. I'll teach you how to serve with humility. Humility but confidence carrying this gift and then repetitive inner ear infections. Holy Spirit, we lift up your 
we lift up the name of Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. The one who started it. The one who will complete it. And the source of grace for everything in between. Lord, we're going to be strong in your grace this morning. Come and meet us. Amen. Oh yeah, communion too. Wow, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not oh yeah, communion. This is, this is the body and the bread of Jesus. This is the table. All right? So yeah, as we're doing ministry time, um, you're free as the Spirit leads you. Come up, take the body that was broken for you. Take the blood that was poured out for your sins and for the sins of many. Come to the table.